Well, hey, church, so glad that you're joining us today. We're in a series in the book of Exodus, and today we find ourselves in uh, chapter 12. And what you're going to see, what we're looking at today is the story of the ancient Jewish tradition called the Passover, which also included this uh, joyful celebration dinner called the Seder. And if you um, were with us last week, there's a lot that's been going on leading up to Exodus chapter 12, leading up to this particular part of the story of Israelites being free uh, from Pharaoh and from Egypt. Uh, we learned last week that from Exodus chapter 7 through 11, there's a number of plagues that we covered, a number of plagues that uh, were part of the Israelite and the Egyptian history because Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not let the people go. He, he acted as if he was God instead of worshiping and acknowledging the one and true living God. And so what had happened was because Pharaoh's heart was so hardened, he wanted to keep God's people for himself under their rule and under their reign, under their laws, under their harsh labor. Uh, Meanwhile, God is seeing their suffering, wanting to set them free so they can serve and worship the one and true God. And so because of Pharaoh's heart and heart, there were a number of things that were causing uh, Egypt to be in this chaos and this mess. They were, it was devastating the Egyptians. Uh, just to, to kind of highlight some of these, again, the water supply in the Nile River was completely turned into blood. So you have no water supply uh, that was ne- a necessary source of, uh, you know, for their just meals and for their uh, daily washing. There were frogs everywhere in the country, in ovens and upon the bedrooms. There were gnats and flies everywhere. There were livestock in Egypt that were dying all across the land, except for Israel, by the way. Uh, there were dust that caused boils on people. There were hail and thunder and firestorms that caused chaos and devastation in the land of Egypt. There were locusts and darkness that covered Egypt for days. There were nine plagues leading up to where we are in Exodus chapter 11 and 12. And today we see that there was one last plague, one last final plague that God would bring upon Egypt and really upon Pharaoh himself. If you guys remember the story, um, the, the, the plagues were not just about uh, Egypt and it was really not just about Pharaoh. It was this, this indictment, this judgment on the Egyptian gods and the worship of idols in in Egypt. Uh, God says to Pharaoh, I will, you know, pour down these plagues so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Because Pharaoh thought, surely there is none like me in all the earth. And yet God was reminding Pharaoh, God was reminding Egypt, and God was reminding Israel that he is who he says he is. He is the true and living God. Right, And so because Pharaoh would not let the people go even up until the ninth plague, the tenth plague would be the deadliest plague. It would be the last plague. This plague would actually set the people free. This plague would cause Pharaoh to surrender. This plague is called the plague of the firstborn son. And this plague was deadly. It was uh, intense because every firstborn in the land of Egypt would die. There was a night in which every firstborn in the land of Egypt, it didn't matter what nationality you were, every firstborn, even the livestock, would die in the land of Egypt. And there was a difference between the first nine plagues and the last plague, the the tenth plague. 
And the difference is that this particular plague, the last plague, Israel had to act in obedience in order to be saved themselves. See, the first nine plagues, Israel just had this protection. They had this shelter. Uh, uh, Goshen was this place where uh, God just set them apart. And so all the other plagues, whether it be the frogs or the livestock that died or the darkness that was upon Egypt, Israel was spared from all that just by God's grace and his mercy. He he wanted them to, the, the people to recognize that those are my people. Those are the people I will protect Those are the people I will provide for. Those are the people that my hand, my grace, my mercy will be upon. The first nine plagues. And yet with the tenth plague, Israel was not exempt. Israel was included in this particular plague. And I think it would have left Israel in somewhat of a shock. Because they're probably thinking the first nine plagues, we were just, we were good. When there was darkness in Egypt, God brought light to Israel. When the livestock in Egypt would die, our livestock would live. And if you're someone that was part of that tribe of Israel, you're probably wondering, why why this plague? Why this plague? Why would God not protect us? Or why would this plague be something that we're not exempt from? God would say with this plague... Every firstborn son in Egypt would die. And it might have left this impression on Israel, not only shock that, man, we're under this one too, but it probably left them this this sense of like, with the first nine plagues, they might have felt like they were better than Egypt. They might have felt like they were more righteous in some ways. They might have felt like, well, well, they're, 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 they're just somehow special. Right, and, and so they, it might have caused them to feel like maybe there, maybe there's something inherently good about them, that 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 allowed God to spare them from the first nine plagues. Maybe they thought that they were without sin, that maybe Pharaoh had sin and Egypt had sin, but yet they might have thought, "May you know, I don't have sin, we don't have sin. That's probably why God is sparing us." Yet I think in this plague, the tenth plague, the last plague, God is reminding Israel. That Israel too is not all that righteous. That Israel too is not without sin. That Israel is not just a victim of sin. But Israel too is one that participates and born under sin. And so this plague is different. There was nothing inherent about Israel themselves that would save them. Unless, now hear me out, unless God actually provided another way. And it wasn't just about being in Goshen. Unless God provided a way and God in his mercy actually does so, he always provides a way to flee his wrath and to receive his grace. And so this plague with the 10th plague of the firstborn son, this time God's judgment was upon all people, including Israel. And your nationality could not save you. Your good works could not save you. Your personal devotion to God could not save you. Your, your history with your people could not save you. Your history with God could not save you. There was only one thing that could save you if you were an Israelite in that time. And it was this. It was the blood of the Lamb. 
the one thing, your, your skin color could not save you, your, your background and the, 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 the history and, and the nine plagues that God spared you from could not save you. The only thing that can save you from the last plague and the deadliest plague was the blood of the Lamb. And so in this Passover, in the Passover, what God is revealing to Israel is that a lamb could die in their place. That a lamb could die in their place. That there can actually be a substitutionary sacrifice, an atonement for their sins, that by the blood of the lamb, that as a lamb was sacrificed and shed, and the, as a blood is applied on the doorpost, as they partake in the flesh of the lamb, that this lamb could actually cover their sins. It was the only way. It was more powerful than their nationality. It was more powerful than any history that they had with God. It was more powerful than any points or merit they earned in their own personal devotion to God. The blood of the Lamb was the only thing that would save them. The blood of the Lamb was their only hope. It was their only hope. Nothing else could save them. And I want you to kind of go back and forth and think about what Jesus did for us. About what can save me. What can save you? What, what can save our world? What can save our neighbor? There's only one thing. There's only one hope. It's the blood of the Lamb. And so what God would do is, in this story in Exodus 12, God would give specific details, right? And he, he doesn't just make it general here. He gives specific detail even to what day you should bring in the lamb, what day you ought to slaughter it, who should be there in the slaughtering, what you ought to do with the lamb, and, and how you are, you are to go about eating it. God gives specifics regarding this Passover because it is this lamb that God would see uh, the blood of on the doorpost and pass over the Israelites so that they would not die but that they could actually live and their firstborn son who was supposed to die because of the blood of the lamb could actually live and on that night God would pass over not based on your skin color or nationality or history God would pass over based on one thing the blood of the lamb so here here's the first thing God says to do in verse three that he he, he the first step is uh, God would say to Israel is to uh, prepare the sacrificial lamb, right? So on the 10th day, bring in one for each household, one for each household, a lamb. Each home were to recognize that there was one lamb for that home, one lamb for that home. And the importance of this is, is because, you know, in Genesis, there were um, some instances where God would provide a, a, a scapegoat or God would provide a, a sacrifice on behalf of an individual, when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, God provided a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was on behalf of Isaac, right? And what God is trying to do here is he's now expanding that from an individual to a household. And so what, what God is saying is in Israel bringing one lamb for the whole household, the household, so your brother, your sister, your, your, your mom, your dad, everybody in that household and all your siblings would recognize that this lamb didn't just die for me. This lamb died for us. Do you, you guys see what's happening here? That this lamb didn't just die for me, but one lamb died for all of us. So bring a lamb, one for each household, 
And then in verse 6, it says, All the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Now, this is crazy. I want you to put yourself in this story. It, it doesn't say in verse 6, you know, do rock, paper, scissors, and whoever loses, go slaughter the lamb. Because I don't think anyone, would, like, wants to do that. And so let's just pick one person from the household, right? Who, whoever didn't do their chores, you're up, right? Whoever, whoever didn't, you know, get, get, their, their, get their grades on their report card, whoever, you know, whoever needs some, you know, something to do, why don't you go do that? The Bible says all the members of the community. And so what that means is God is just saying, everyone, you all come. Here's why. Because God wanted all the people in the community to see the one lamb that died on their behalf. And it does something to you when you see an animal being slaughtered. It's, it's not like, you know, my son watches like uh, spiders on, on, on like National Geographic and he, he likes watching like, you know, animals fight and, you know, sometimes even animals dying. I don't know why he enjoys that, but he likes, you know, you know snakes and crocodiles and alligators and bears. And he, he likes these animals in the, the wild. They're just going at it, looking for food. And, and he, somehow he enjoys that. He can watch that for hours, actually. This was not the case. Th- this isn't your entertainment. Th- this was you would see a lamb dying right in front of you, and, and it wasn't just on a screen. It was live. It was in person, and you were the one to partake in the slaughtering of that particular animal. It does something to your soul. I think it would do something in terms of remorse for any sins that you committed. It would, it would make you think about God, and it would make you think about the severity of what your life means and what your, what your sins have done to a people and what your sins have done to distance yourself from God. When you see an animal dying in front of you, it's not something to be taken lightly, but the community would gather around and would see the weight of their sin. They would also see what it takes for a people to be free. They would see what it takes for people to be free so that they may worship and be reconciled to God. You, you have to keep in mind that this lamb wasn't just some, some, something they would cho- choose in a moment. And the very next moment, they just slaughter. When you read the Bible, it says that on the 10th day, you should bring in the lamb. And on the 14th day, you should slaughter it. What that would mean is that the family would go out and after choosing the lamb, that lamb would be with the family for four days. For four days, the family would feed it. The family would care for it. The family might even play with it, right? And, 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 and in four days, you might even grow attachment in some way to this particular lamb that you would care for and feed and even play with. And on that fourth day, they would see that that lamb they fed, the lamb that they cared for, the lamb they would wake up seeing alive, that lamb they would see has taken their place. It's something that God did not want the people to forget. And as that lamb was slaughtered on that fourth day, uh, God would tell the Israelites to get some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the houses so that when the, when the Lord comes, that's the one thing he would look for. And the blood of the lamb would save them from death. And 
not only would the, would the Israelites take the blood and put it on the doorposts and the sides, right? But on, in verse 8, it says that the same night they are also to eat the meat. So not only would they take, take the blood and put it on the doorposts uh, of the homes of the Israelites, but they would actually partake in, in eating and consuming the lamb. So it's not just taking some blood and sprinkling it here and there, but it's making sure that they are taking in the lamb. And So in other words, I want you to see the relevance of what's happening here, that the blood of the lamb is not just to be externalized, but the lamb is to be internalized. That the lamb was actually something that they would consume in for themselves. That it was not just something to be put on the external, on the homes and the doorposts. But God would say, now eat the flesh of the lamb that died for you. In other words, take in that lamb yourselves and not just on the door. So the lamb was not only a substitute for their sins, but it would be a sustenance for their journey to the promised land. So the lamb had incredible significance. The blood was a substitute for their sins. And the meat of the lamb would be sustenance as they journeyed on. Because if you think about their journey in, into the wilderness, you know, in the first days or days to come, how are they going to survive? What, with what food? And God would uh, sustain them and nourish them with the, the, the food and the meat that came from the lamb. And do you guys see how this is an act of grace on God's part? Again, there was nothing inherent about Israel that, that saved them. There wasn't, it wasn't that Israel was more righteous or somehow that there was less sin. This was, this was just an act of God's grace on his part. And then there was an act of faith on Israel's part. The one thing Israel had to do was trust in the word of the Lord. They, they, all they could do, is they, they couldn't trust in their, their nationality again. They, they couldn't trust in, in what God did in the first nine plagues. They, they had to trust in God's word. They had to trust in, in the lamb for this particular moment. It meant life and death for them. They had to trust in the lamb. So as they're, as they're doing what God is telling them to do, prepare the lamb, Four days later, slaughter the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, then eat the meat, then to partake in the, the bread, the unleavened bread, and eat in haste, and, you know, and, and then now go in haste. And all that God was telling them to do, this was an act of faith, right? It wasn't their works. It wasn't the perfection that they had. It was their faith that they had in the blood of the lamb that God spoke to them about, and it was their faith that saved them. It was God's grace that saved them. It was the blood of the lamb that saved them. So they would have blood on the doorposts. They would eat the meat of the lamb. And God would say, not only that, but they, they would, they would um, eat the flesh that night, roast it on the fire, and then with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. And so they would eat this meat with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The, the Jewish custom would be that they would not eat leavened bread. Um, it might have tasted better, but they saw that as a as symbolic of Egypt. Uh, and, and in fact, they say as long as there is unleavened bread in our homes, there is still Egypt in our hearts. That's what they believed. And that's what kind of Exodus is pointing out here that God is saying to them, eat the unleavened bread 
In Hebrew, it's called the matzah, right? The matzah, which was a sim- symbolic of freedom and slavery for them for the generations to come. In Deuteronomy, this matzah or unleavened bread would also be referred to as the bread of affliction to remind them that every time they ate the matzah, it was, the, it was to remind them of the affliction that they had to endure and undergo in Egypt. It wasn't a pleasant time. It wasn't a comfortable time. And so as they ate the unleavened bread, God also would say, now leave in a hurry. Now leave in haste. In other words, they would leave Egypt in hurry, you know, in humility. The unleavened bread was not puffed up, symbolizing that Israel would not leave puffed up or in pride they would leave in utter dependence upon god who provides the bread this meal was an annual reminder this passover this seder was an annual reminder of what the israelites suffered in egypt the bitter herbs as it says in Exodus 12, verse 8, bitter herbs was not just for flavoring, but it was to remind them how the Egyptians made their lives bitter with harsh labor, right? The unleavened bread to remind them how they had to flee in haste, not puffed up, but in humility, depending on God. And now Israelites would, would go and they would leave Egypt and they would leave Egypt in haste. And God says, in Exodus 12, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. What God is saying is he's saying not only is he giving you a new land, but he's giving you a new calendar. What God is saying is I'm giving you new life. He's saying everything is going to change. Why? Because of the blood of the lamb. He's saying not only like the way you tell time is going to look different, the, 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 the place you're going to go is different, the life you're going to live is different, the gods you're going to worship are no longer the God you're going to worship. I will be your God and you will be my people. Everything will be different. But this is more than a new month, more than a new calendar. It was more than a new year. It was new life that God was giving. Why? Not because of Israel's history, but because of God's goodness by providing a way out in the way of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb, they were saved. Douglas Stewart, in his commentary, um, it says the, the Israelites were required to eat the Passover in a manner that demonstrates their readiness to leave Egypt immediately. This was an issue of faith. And so we see in, even in Exodus that there was faith involved in relationship to God. They had to trust in his word. I mean, can you imagine that, like if you didn't believe that would happen, that plague didn't hap- wouldn't happen? Can you imagine if like, if someone said, I don't think that blood's going to do anything for us. Can you imagine if someone said, no, 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 we'll just trust our own strategies here. We'll save our own family. We don't need the blood. We don't need the lamb. We, 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 we've got God's history. You know, the first nine plagues, we were good. We'll be good again. Can you imagine if they started to trust in their own word instead of God's word? Can you imagine what would have happened if they trusted in their own strategy instead of God's sacrifice? And as they acted in faith, instead of dying, they would live. Because on the doorpost, they would see the blood of the lamb. 
and the lamb would be sustenance on their journey to the promised land. This is the goodness of God. This is a foreshadow and a picture of the gospel and what Jesus would do in, in, in coming from heaven to earth. This is, this is a foreshadow of the ultimate deliverance. This is the foreshadow of the greater Moses. This is the foreshadow of what would happen when Jesus would come from heaven to earth on behalf of his people, setting a new exodus, not only for Jews, but for Gentiles, for every nation, for every tribe, for every person. This is what Jesus would do for us. The Israelites would then go and they would be off and they would make their way towards Egypt and what they would do from generation to generation to generation. Throughout time, throughout the generations, God would say, celebrate this as a Passover feast. Celebrate the Seder, the joyful dinner in, in, in response to what God has done and his goodness of saving Israel yet once again because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of his steadfast love for his people is to remember not how good Israel was. It's, to, it's not to remember how, 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 how devoted they were. It's to remember how devoted God was and how faithful God was. So here's a couple things Israel would do in the Passover. One is they would remember as they were eating the food and partaking of the feast, it would be the visuals, it would be the taste, it would be the symbols of everything God did back in Egypt. Right? I don't know if you guys experience this, but like when you're eating something, sometimes it's a, a, a you know something that you ate as a child growing up. Maybe uh, like mom's cooking from back in the day when you were a kid. And sometimes when you're eating something, it will remind you of something else. It will remind you of a memory. You know, my dad, sometimes when he's eating uh, certain kinds of Korean dishes, he'll like get off on this tangent and talk for an hour to my brother and I about the, the story in Korea and how this food would remind them of the smells and the visuals and the, the life that he had in the countryside of Korea. And he would eat something and it would be so, you know, it would, he would just slurp the soup and he would just, and you could just tell he's not just enjoying the food, but he's reliving a memory. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you're experiencing something and it just takes you back and you go, that, that reminds me of that. This food reminds me of that memory. And the Passover was that for Israel. That as they partake, partake in this feast, it would remind them that God passed over them from death to life. That God saved them yet again. That God rescued them. And it would just be more than just a dinner and it would just be more than just physical nourishment it's a spiritual nourishment of remembering who God is and what God did on their behalf and that remembering would lead to rejoicing the second thing they would do they would rejoice in Exodus 12:14 it says this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come you shall celebrate it all right celebrate it is a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. It's a joyful remembering. It's a thankful remembering. They would burst out in songs and thanksgiving. They would rejoice and celebrate as they remember what God had done. There was a song called for the Jews, a song called Deyanu. I don't expect you to know that song. I barely know it myself. But Deyanu is a Hebrew word that just means 
it would have been enough. It would have been enough. And so the song goes that if he had rescued us from Egypt, but not punished the Egyptians, Deyanu, it would have been enough. If he had punished the Egyptians, but not defeated their gods, Deyanu, it would have been enough. If he had given us the Sabbath, but not lead us to Mount Sinai, Deyanu. If he had led us to Mount Sinai, but not given us the Torah, Deyanu. If he had given us the Torah, but not brought us into the land of Israel, Deyanu. How much more then are we to be grateful to God for all of these things that God has given to us, which he has indeed done for all of us? And so they would remember and they would rejoice, singing, it would have been enough if God just did that, but yet he did this. And he did abundantly more. They would not only remember, not only rejoice, but they would retell They would retell the story and tell to the next generation. And the sons and grandsons would come around. And one day their sons and their grandsons would come around. And they would retell this story. And it's not a made-up story. It's a story they lived through. It's a story of their people. It's a story about their God. It's a story about who they worship and why they worship him. It says in Exodus 20, I mean 12, verse 26 through 27. You don't have to turn there. It says, When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? When they see the the herbs and the the lamb and and the feast, what does the ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. So they would remember and rejoice and they would Retell the story. Why? Because it's how they were saved. And in my last minute here, you're probably wondering, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? Well, this story we just read about the first Passover is also our story because the first Passover is just the foreshadow of the final Passover. And the final Passover is about the deliverance that would come by the way of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who would come to us fully God and fully man. He came to us a man, and no wonder. John the Baptist says this in the Gospel of John. He says, Behold the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of of the world. And Jesus would enter Jerusalem uh, on, on Palm Sunday, the very day that Passover lambs would be driven into the city to celebrate the Passover feast, right? And when he would have had his last supper with his disciples, he would be celebrating that Passover feast. And he would say to his disciples, though, this is my body and this is my blood revealing that he would actually become the sacrificial lamb and when he would die on the cross he died on the cross on what we call good friday and good friday was also the time of the passover feast phil reichen in his commentary says then christ was crucified it was late in the afternoon on the eve of passover At twilight, lambs would be sacrificed by every household according to the law of Moses. All over the city, fathers were getting ready to make the offering, gathering their families together and saying, God has provided a lamb for us. Over at the temple, the high priest was also preparing a lamb to present as an atonement for Israel's sin. Then there was Jesus hanging on the cross. 
with the sacrificial blood flowing from his hands and side. He was the Lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. And Phil Riken would go on to say that what God provided is what God required. God provided what God required. God gave his one and only son so that not only Jews but Gentiles may live under the atonement of his sacrifice because there's only one thing that can save you. There's only one thing that can save us. There's only one thing that can save our neighbor and the world uh, from our sin, from this distance and separation that we have from God. It's not our history. It's not our skin color. It's not our good works. It's not our moral lifestyle. It's not our personal devotion. There's only one thing and only one hope, and that's the blood of the lamb. And Jesus was that lamb. He was the final Passover who would liberate us from the power, uh, not only from Pharaoh or Egypt, but from the power of Satan himself, from sin and darkness and death so that all of God's people, Jew and Gentile, can be free to worship him and to enjoy him forever. I want to read you just a a verse from uh, Ephesians 1, 6, 7, and we'll close. It says, To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This is our Passover. This is our story. This is our communion. This is why we take of the bread and the juice. Because Jesus became the sacrificial lamb for us. So here's a question as you enter this week. Do you trust in the lamb? Do you trust in the lamb? And have you responded to the Lamb. Have you responded to what God has done on our behalf? This week, I want you to think about the only reasonable response to the Lamb that was slain and the Lamb that was prepared and sacrificed on our behalf. The only reasonable response is to worship Him. So church, as you enter another week, may you behold Jesus May you behold Jesus, the lamb who takes the sins of the world. May you trust in him. May it be a beautiful reminder this week that for those in Christ, we live under the atonement, under the covering of the blood of God's only son. And may that cause you to marvel at him. May that cause you to worship him. And may that cause you to enjoy him.